pray. Father, thank you for your word. As we enter into a time of hearing your word preached, I pray that you'd be gracious to us, Father. We, we need to be transformed by your word. So, Father, would you send your spirit to do that work in us? Show us the glory and the beauty of your gospel. Father, turn over every stone of works, of righteousness that we manufacture on our own, in our hearts. And expose them to the light, Father, that we might put them to death in the name of your glory and because of your gospel. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to Galatians chapter 2 this morning. That's where we'll be spending our time in the whole of Galatians chapter 2. And as you do that, I want you to picture in your mind a marching band. Can you do that? Can you picture it? A marching band moving in step to the music, marching around, let's say, a football field, all in unison, all in step. But do you see that one individual? Do you see him? He's just a little bit off, just a little out of step. Okay, he's a lot out of step. Can I tell you something about that guy? That guy's me. There is nobody with less rhythmical talent in the world than me, which becomes an issue sometimes. I'm really grateful for this church that I don't have to follow music to know when to come up because I'll get that wrong every time because I have no coordination. It's hard for me to uh, walk in step with a beat. I'm the guy who's always out of step. I'm fearing for that moment when the worship leader is going to ask us to clap and sing at the same time because I can't do it. I'm going to constantly be out of step. I'm going to be the guy who throws everybody else off because I'm a mess. Can't do both at the same time. Well, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul describes what he sees in the churches in Galatia as being out of step with the gospel. In the same way that we can be rhythmically out of step, he says that these churches are out of step with the rhythm of the gospel. And as he's writing to these churches, he recounts two instances to the churches in Galatia of, as to what is happening in their lives. And he gives examples of how we ourselves can get out of step with the gospel. See, the churches in Galatia, these are churches who have believed the gospel, are now taking the gospel... And they're making additions to it. And as we learn in chapter 1, Paul is shocked by this behavior. They believed in the work of Jesus. That is, they've trusted in the gospel of Jesus' perfect obedience. That he's substituted his righteousness for theirs. They've believed that. But now, they're saying that it's Jesus' work, plus you've got to do this to please God. And Paul is rightfully shocked because this uh, adding anything, any to do to the gospel undermines the gospel entirely. See, on the one hand, they're correctly believing that salvation is accomplished by grace alone, through faith alone, to God's glory alone, as the product of Christ's work alone. And then plus this other thing. Now, I'm no mathematician, but Christ alone plus something else that you do is no longer Christ alone. Do you see that? 
You can't have the gospel and work for righteousness, is what Paul is saying. They are mutually exclusive ideas. So Paul writes of such people in Galatians 2.14, I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. See, to live by the law to please God and to believe the gospel is to be out of step with the gospel. It's as if this church in Galatia is slow dancing to Michael Jackson's thriller. Can you picture that? They're out of step. And to be out of step with the gospel is bad news because Paul writes that a life out of step with the gospel is slavery. He writes in Galatians 2.4 of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Here we are early in the life of the church and Paul is already guarding against turning back to the slavery of gospel addition. That is adding requirements to the gospel. Well, if history has taught us anything, it is that we are so willing to go back to the bondage of slavery by adding to the work of Christ. Adding my righteousness to Jesus. Adding things to improve the gospel that will please God in our minds. And history reminds us that we who are sitting here, that's you. You must guard against the temptation to add to the gospel because it will only bring you into bondage. See, we can believe the gospel, but it is so easy for us to lust after the slavery of works. Why? Well, I think because it feels good. It's affirming in the short term. The reality is that we can confess the objective realities of the gospel, but live a subjectively different life than one that is informed by the gospel. We can know the gospel and confess the gospel, but live in a way that is out of step with it. And it comes out in the way that we view the law and in the way that we handle the people, according to this passage. Those are the two examples that Paul gives us today in chapter 2. Examples of what it means to march out of step with the gospel. See, Paul tells two historical situations, two memories that he has when he saw a church walking out of step with the gospel. He reminds the Galatians by these stories. One is in a council that he was a part of in Jerusalem in 2, 1 through 10. And another is a situation where the apostle Peter is being choosy about who he's going to spend his time with in 2, 11 to 14. And in both of these, a slavery is revealed. And it's a slavery that we can easily find ourselves in when we are out of step with the gospel. The point that Paul is driving at here is that living in step with the gospel removes the burden of slavery and frees us to serve Christ truly. That's important. Let me repeat that. Living in step with the gospel removes the burden of slavery and frees us to serve Christ truly. Truly. Now, if you're a note taker, you'll notice on the back of your bulletin is an outline. You can fill that out with me as we move through this passage. Well, if it is true that the gospel removes our burden of slavery, then on the flip side, a life that is out of step and off the beat of the gospel places us squarely under that slavery. Paul shows us that a life out of step with the gospel is revealed in at least two ways. Number one, in a slavery 
to performance. It's a slavery to performance. See, when we're out of step with the gospel, we bond ourselves to performance naturally. That is, trying to live in such a way that will justify us before God. That will make us right with God by what we do. Paul shows us that as he goes before the council in Jerusalem to appeal to adding to circumcision to the gospel, he reveals this truth in our hearts. He writes, beginning in verse 1, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running nor had run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved. And from those who seem to be influential, what they are makes no difference to me, God shows no partiality, those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. Paul reveals in this Story that he's made a special trip to Jerusalem in the past to go before the apostles because of a concern that he had that the gospel was being twisted in some churches. He wanted to ensure that the gospel he preached was not being altered or changed. He wanted to make sure that it was preserved for his Gentile brothers who were coming to faith. That means that he did not want obedience to the law as a means of righteousness that was added to the gospel. So he took two men with him. Do you notice that in the story? Barnabas and Titus. One is a Jew by birth and one is a Greek by birth. Two men saved by the true gospel. Did you see the genius of that move? See, Paul was going to display for them how the gospel was working outside of the law in Titus but that the fellowship could remain with Barnabas as a Jew. He's displaying that the gospel is relevant for Jew and Gentile alike, outside of works of the law. But there were some there who wanted Titus to be circumcised. That's Paul's way of saying that there were some there who were forcing law onto the gospel. They were saying that you must obey this law to please God. But Paul calls these brothers false brothers. He says false brothers came in to force the law upon the work of Christ. And that was an attempt to bring slavery to performance. See, performance is adding any law or condition outside of faith in Jesus to the gospel. That's what it means to perform. Adding any law or condition outside of faith in Jesus to the gospel. In this case, it was circumcision. But it takes many forms. It's Jesus plus worship on the Sabbath. It's Jesus plus laws on ceremonial cleansing. You know, that thing that you love to read about in Leviticus. It's Jesus plus adding food restrictions to the gospel. That means no bacon, if we add that to the gospel, by the way. Those are performance plus the gospel. That's law plus the gospel. But it's not limited to those things in that time and place. We do the same thing, too, in our day and culture. See, when you beat yourself up for falling into that sin again, instead of turning back to God in repentance, 
That's slavery to performance. And that's out of step with the gospel. When you promise God, I will never do that thing again. That's out of a slavery to performance. And it's out of step with the gospel. When you wonder why some people just cannot get their act together. That's slavery to performance. And that's out of step with the gospel. And all of these missteps that we make display how profoundly mistaken we are about the nature of the gospel in Christ alone. Whenever you find yourself saying something like that, you are mistaken about the nature of the gospel. And every time we believe them, we act out of step with the gospel and we enslave ourselves again to performance. A life out of step with the gospel reveals these slaveries to performance, but it also reveals a slavery to pretending. A life out of step with the gospel also reveals a slavery to pretending. When we walk out of step with the gospel, we also bond ourselves to doing what we think will please others. It's just another form of works righteousness, but instead of being dependent on the law, it's dependent on what others might think of me. We see this exemplified in in the next part of the passage, in 11 through 13, when Peter withdraws from certain Gentile believers. Uh, Paul writes, but when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now, we have to understand that in Jewish culture, who you ate with was a way of identifying with someone. So Peter eating with Gentiles here is strictly taboo for these Jews. So when the strict and legalistic Jewish Christians come around, Peter withdraws so as not to be seen living among Gentiles. Peter is being duplicitous. He's pretending on two fronts. See, on the one hand, he withdraws from the Gentiles to pretend to be in league with these Jewish Christians. He wants to be among them. And on the other, he pretends to be with the Gentiles at other times. He eats with them, but then later he spurns them when certain people come around. But the truth is, Peter is with no one but himself. He's simply pretending to be something that he's not. That's how we define pretending. When you are so captivated by what people think that you act differently to walk according with what will matter to them, at the expense of what is true. You act as if you have no conviction of your own. But this is not so that you can be all things to all people in all situations, so as if you might have some gospel leverage so you could witness to them, is actually not the worship of God at all. It's a worship of identity. That's what's at work here. Peter does not want to be seen as at fault here in the eyes of some. And in doing so, he shows that his highest service and authority lies not with Christ, nor in a fear of God, but in a fear of man. Peter adds his pretending to the gospel. He wants to be justified by men. Well, it's easy to pick on Peter, and Paul does. He calls him out before everyone because his action is out of step with the gospel. But the truth is, we all do the same. 
Does your desire to pretend reveal that you may be out of step with the gospel? Do you find yourself duplicitous at times in the way that you act before certain people? See, pretending is revealed any time you are more worried about what someone thinks than what God thinks. When you cannot evangelize at the grocery store because it might make someone uncomfortable, it might hold someone up, that's a form of pretending. And it's out of step with the gospel. See, pretending exists when you have to say all of the right things before people. That's pretending. Someone is struggling and you're unwilling to share the truth with them in case you get it wrong. In that, you're out of step with the gospel. Pretending lives in the qualified apology. Have you ever done this? You blew up at your spouse and you follow it up with a, oh, I'm sorry I snapped, but what you were doing made me upset. That's the qualified apology. And it's a form of pretending. And in that, you're out of step with the gospel. And we need to know that slavery to performance and slavery to pretending are out of step with the gospel because they're false gospels. They're attempts to justify ourselves, and they are not just bad habits. They reveal a serious foundation of gospel unbelief deep in our soul. The truth is that these two things result in pointlessness. These result in pointlessness. See, a slavery to performance is pointless. A slavery to pretending is pointless. Maybe you're pretty good at justifying yourself before others. Maybe you're pretty good at pretending or, or following the letter of the law precisely. But that's not going to protect you. That's totally out of step with the gospel. Look what Paul says in verse 14. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because listen to this, by works of the law, no one will be justified. That's strong. You can try to perform. You can try to pretend your way in. But trying to perform to please God is not able to save you any more than getting on my scale is able to help me shed weight. Whether I get on that scale five times or a thousand times, the scale cannot change my weight. It just reveals it. So it is with performance. So it is with the law. In the end, it is pointless because you still wind up condemned before God. Unable to justify yourself, says Paul. But it's not the law That's broken. That's not the problem. It's you that's broken. You cannot measure up to the law. All that God requires for righteousness, you cannot do. And no matter how many resolutions you make, you will never be able to justify yourself against the standard of the law. So you end up comparing yourself before others. But the trouble is that you're just ignoring the law 
when you do that. The law still condemns you because it's still the standard. See, relying on performance and relying on pretending are out of step with the gospel, not because they clash with it just a little bit. No, your slavery and the gospel are totally incompatible because they both work against each other for the same end. They're the spiritual equivalent of the person who sold their car in order to raise gas money. You cannot be a slave to performance and pretending and obey the gospel and trust in the gospel. You are in bondage to justifying yourself in your strength and at the same time, you're surrendering to the strength of another. That cannot be. You cannot serve two masters. See, when you become focused on performance or pretending, you become turned inward. You become self-conscious and unable to function as God intended. That's the byproduct of living this way. It's kind of like when I was in junior high, I became very concerned with the way that I walked. Was anybody else awkward like that? I was worried about the way that I walked. And as I walked in the cafeteria, I grabbed my lunch tray and I'd walk to my table. I became very worried that I would be walking in a weird way and everybody would be looking at me and judging the weird way that I walked. And in doing so, I became so focused on the way that I walked that I would almost trip over my own feet. I was so turned in. And the truth is, nobody cared how I walked. (laughs) But I was so focused on myself, I became curled in and unable to concentrate or do anything well. Well, the same is true of us when we turn our gaze to our work as the method of righteousness. We become turned in. We become unable to serve Christ as the way that he commanded us, namely as proclaimers of his work, of his justification. See, at best, when we live in these slaveries, we lead others into our own bad habits, our own attempted justifications. We make a big deal out of small matters. The church starts to become a political figure. Not a gospel figure. We find our righteousness in complying with some extra biblical rule, as if that will save us. Maybe we restrict the drinking of alcohol, because we think that will grant us some form of salvation. We become preference dictators. We turn things that are important to us into gospel issues. Suddenly the carpet color is worth splitting the church over. Or we just isolate And we drift away from the church entirely because we feel out of place when everyone is not just like me. But the gospel does not keep you there. It does not leave us in this bondage. See, a life in step with the truth of the gospel results in freedom to serve Christ truly. A life in step with the truth of the gospel results in freedom to serve Christ truly. If walking out of step with the gospel results in slavery and being turned in on yourself, then walking in step with the gospel changes everything. Listen to how Paul describes this shift, beginning in verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Paul's words are dramatic. Death to life. And they suggest a shift in thinking. Where there was death and slavery, there is now life and freedom. 
because of the gospel. And when we walk out of step with the gospel, we are not believing and applying that gospel. But a life in step with the gospel is revealed to us in at least two ways, church. When we live in step with the gospel, that's revealed to us in at least two ways. The first one is that we have a freedom to be authentic, a freedom to be authentic. See, slavery to performance is out of step with the gospel. But authenticity under the gospel, now that's in step. It's in step because if you're authentic, you know that Paul is right. You know that the law cannot justify you and that pretending will never be enough. So you fall into your own need for one who perfectly obeyed the law and needed never to pretend. It centers us and reveals our dependence on the blood of Christ alone to save us. See, that allows us freedom to lay ourselves bare before others, to be authentic with others. In short, we're free to be accountable. And that's exactly how Paul comes out here. He says that he went up because of a revelation and he set before him the gospel that he had proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. See, because Paul is resting on the gospel here, he's able to lay himself bare, wide open. He's able to be authentic before the apostles. Can you lay yourself bare and be truly authentic? Or do you cover up? Do you hide your harder edges in public? Is accountability hard for you? If so, you're still performing. But the good news, church, is that the local gathering of the church offers us an opportunity to march in step with the gospel. It offers us a way to be authentic. See, we have the opportunity to become church members here. That's why we emphasize that strongly. So that we can be known by the church. So that we can show and have revealed those ways where we're walking out of step with the gospel. I would urge you, be a part of the church. We have many avenues in which you can be known in the church. Many avenues for accountability. We have uh, men's and women's discipleship that meet weekly. Where we discuss these things. Where we talk about our lives and how they can be out of step with the gospels. Where certain belief systems are corrected. You can meet with a brother or sister and be known and be accountable to them. Ephesians says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's what the church offers you the opportunity to do. The church is your outlet. It's the catalyst for walking in step with the gospel and freedom. But the reality is that authenticity is a muscle. And it takes use to get comfortable with. Church, would you... Commit to being comfortable with being authentic. Would you work toward that end so that you might live in step with the gospel? Don't give up in that. Life in step with the gospel reveals freedom from the former slavery to be authentic, but it also gives us a freedom to be affirmed. A freedom to be affirmed. Where would you say that your affirmation comes from now? See, when the gospel rules in your life, your affirmation comes from God. 
To live in step with the gospel is to be affirmed by what God says is true. And not to worry about impressing others. We see this in the way that Paul handles the other apostles. He's kind of bold with the way he says it. He says, and from those who seemed to be influential, what they are makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. To those, I say, who seemed influential, they added nothing to me. Paul seems rude, but he's not being rude here. He's simply saying that his affirmation comes from the work of Christ in the gospel and not from influential men. You no longer have to live as a slave to performing before certain men because God has declared you righteous in the most profound sense. You don't have to use people to feel affirmed. The gospel affirms you as God's own. Therefore, you can say what needs to be said and believe what needs to be believed with confidence that it is based upon Christ. You can say the hard truths without fear of being rejected. And conversely, you don't have to criticize others. You don't have to gossip as a way of affirming yourself. That's what criticism are all about and gossip are all about. When you engage in criticism or in gossip, it's a subtle clue that you're out of step with the gospel because you're trying to be affirmed in that. Like authenticity, gospel affirmation is also a muscle to exercise. And we must constantly preach the gospel to ourselves to live in light of that. Life in step with the gospel reveals freedom from former slavery. And that leads to an activation for the gospel. The freedom that's in Christ leads to an activation for the gospel. What's at stake here is a freedom to live on mission by the grace of God to the world. We see this in Paul's commission to go. Because Paul has the gospel right in his life, he is able to present his gospel before the apostles. And look at how they respond. They perceived the grace that was given to him, and they gave him the right hand of fellowship. Paul, the most successful missionary in the history of the church, is successful because he holds true to the gospel. When Paul's gaze was not on performing or pretending, the grace of God was perceived in him, and the apostles were happy to let him go and to watch his ministry flourish. Is your ministry in the church flourishing? If not, perhaps your gaze is not on Christ as it ought to be. You can never serve others when your gaze is fixed upon what you're doing. Well, perhaps you're under conviction of this word this morning. Perhaps that you find yourself living on the whims of what other people think, on your ability to hold on to the law, you're convicted of that, and that might lead you to make another law this morning. That might lead you to say, well, I won't do that again. I'm just going to do better next time. But I want to remind you, one, that that's how quick we are to go back to works, but that that's not in step with the gospel either. So what is in step? To be in step with the gospel is to trust the work of Jesus. What does that mean? That means to confess that I'm a sinner that I'm unable to rescue myself, that I'm unable to uphold God's perfect and holy law, 
that by myself, I stand condemned before God. But I'm trusting in Jesus, who was born and lived a perfectly obedient life, that life that I could not live, but who willingly died a death on the cross, the death that I owed. And I'm trusting that in that death, my sin was put to death, and his righteousness was given to me. And that Jesus didn't just die, but that he was resurrected, proving that his sacrifice was worthy. And he sits at the right hand of God and he intercedes on my behalf, not on the basis of my works, but on the basis of his work. Rest in that today. Confess that today. Charles Spurgeon said, how do we know if we are firm in our gospel unless we are tested? Be tested this morning, but fall back on the grace of God. Surrender to this freedom that God has given you. Do not fall back again on the yoke of slavery. The gospel is applicable for us today as a Christian. And if you're not, turn and believe this morning. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for what you've given us in the word to the Galatian churches. Thank you for your gospel, your glorious gospel. The gospel that on the one hand, shows that we are utterly incapable, but so gloriously reveals how gracious and loving you are to your people. Father, would you not let us set up an idol of performance or pretending in our life, but crush those things under the weight of the gospel, that we might continue to turn back to Jesus whenever we're compelled to boost ourselves up. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.